0: Maybe you know that uh, Horatio Spafford wrote that song after four of his daughters had been lost in a shipwreck, and he still could write those words, it's well with my soul. For just this moment as we begin this morning, I'd like for you to give some thought to the hardest thing you have going on in your life right now, the most difficult thing that you're facing this morning if you lived in eastern Texas you, you might have some different concerns than what some of us might have here this morning pray for those dear folks down there that are dealing with the effects of that hurricane in light of what you're thinking about now if you really listen to what I asked you to do and cooperated I'd like for you also to contemplate something truly wonderful to know. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter how hard it is, even in the light of a tornado or a hurricane, something wonderful that we can know. And when we use the word wonderful, talking about not just saying, well, that's nice, that's wonderful, but something that can really have a practical impact on our life, something that can strengthen us to face whatever comes our way truth that stiffens our spiritual spine to really help it be well with our souls. christians need to be strong in order to deal with the trials and the tribulations and the temptations of this life we have already seen in romans that we can find strength in the coming resurrection and glory that we will experience with which the sufferings of this life are not even worthy to be compared. We also find strength in the help that we have from the Holy Spirit for our weakness, especially our weakness in knowing even how to pray in the will of God. In Romans eight twenty eight, we are reminded of a truth that we can know that can enable us to carry on even under the heaviest burden that we might be called upon to carry. This is a tremendously encouraging truth expressed in one of the best-known and most-loved verses in the Bible. To be honest, it's a verse I couldn't wait to get to in our studies here in Romans, where we are assured in God's Word that we know that all things Work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Do you believe that? Do you always understand the good that God's working towards? No, we don't. Sometimes we say, God, how can you bring good out of this? But even when we can't see how God could possibly bring good out of a hurricane or bring good out of a really bad physical diagnosis this verse is true this verse is 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 something we can we can stand on something we can hang on to and this morning i'd like to show you three sources of of great spiritual strength that are available to us and what we can know from romans 8 28 first of all we there's strength just in the capacity to be able to say we know Secondly, there's the strength in the content of what we know, that all things do really work together for good to those who love God. And then in the consideration of knowing who we are. If you're a Christian here this morning, you love God. And this verse applies to you. If you're a Christian here this morning, you've repented of your sin and taken Christ to be your Savior, then you have been called according to the purpose of Almighty God. First of all, as we consider this verse, we find that there's great strength in just the the capacity to be able to say, we know. There are a lot of things in life we don't know. There are a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. (coughs) We don't know what's going to happen later today. And and critics of the Bible and the Christian faith seek to even spread more doubt if possible. They they don't want us trusting in God's word. They they pride themselves uh, on saying, uh, we don't know or we're not sure about some really very important matters concerning which the truth is readily available. It's kind of interesting to me. These people say, well, we don't really know if there's God, but they, they, they seem to be sure of the fact of evolution, as they call it which is nothing but a theory. It's amazing to me the things that they say they do know when some of the obvious things they, they miss. Some pride themselves on being what they call agnostics. That term agnostic simply means don't know. And these folks simply say, well, we're, I'm, I'm not an atheist. I'm an agnostic. I just don't know if there's a God. And they, they take pride in that. And you're supposed to uh, think they're really something special if they are an agnostic. Well, There's plenty of evidence available for the existence of God. Nobody has to be an agnostic. You can know that there is a God. God's fingerprints are all over creation. Uh, It's obvious that that, that God brought it all into being. The, The Things couldn't just happen even given billions and billions of years. If I went to the lumber yard, Got a bunch of lumber and brought it home and laid it in my yard. And, and I, I just waited. How long would it take for that to turn into a house? Well, how about if there was a big bang and an explosion? Would that turn it into a house? What if there were a bunch of bangs? What if there were billions of years? How long would it take for it to turn in a house into a house? It is impossible. It can't happen. And I'll tell you what, this universe and the human body and all that we see in existence around us is a whole lot more complicated than a house. And people want us to believe that it just happened. No, there's a designer, there's a creator who brought it all into existence, and we can be thankful that we can can know him. God reveals himself and has his fingerprints all over creation. God's given us an amazing book. A book that even has predictive prophecy that we've been able to see the fulfillment of and it's it's a, a book that's never been proven wrong never been proven to be an error, and it, it's the Word of God God has spoken to us and, and on top of that God has become man in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ fully God fully man went to Calvary's cross to die in our place and take our sin upon himself and, and came to reveal God to us and somebody said, well, I don't know if there's a God. How ridiculous, really. We can know there's a God, and we can know that God. What a great joy that is. But these, these doubt spreaders, they want to deny biblical truth and, and cast doubt on Jesus' resurrection, cast doubt on the inerrancy of Scripture, cast doubt on the existence of God, the existence of heaven and hell, and standards of right and wrong. And we know. What a great thing for you and me today to be able to, to say, we know. There's some things that we, we can know, we can be absolutely sure of. And Romans 8.28 begins with this great, this simple but wonderful statement. We know. We know. And what a great thing it is to be able to know some great truths today. There, there's one tremendous certainty, even when there are lots of, of questions in our mind, here in Romans 8.28 is an absolute certainty to hang on to no matter what kind of difficulty you're facing in your life today god gives his revelation so that we can know now paul assumes something here when he says we know he's not just saying i know he's assuming the people that he's writing to know the same truth that he's going to be talking about here Uh, The phrase we know is used 30 times, more than 30 times, in the writings of the Apostle Paul. And it's used five times right here in the book of Romans. It's used of things that ought to be common knowledge for Christians. Uh, We can know these truths from God's revealed word. Sad fact is, even though Paul says we know, there are too many Christians that don't know the things that they ought to that are basic really basic christian truth basic christian knowledge certain you know certain things in life that everybody ought to know you ought to be able to tie your shoes shouldn't you uh you, you shouldn't know how to turn on a light switch right there's certain things in life we ought to know and there's certain things we ought to know of they're just basic in the christian life things in, in in the spiritual realm we ought to know god is real we ought to know Jesus loves me. You know that this morning? Do you know that that wonderful song? Can you sing it with conviction? Jesus loves me. This I know. And I hope you're convinced of that today. We ought to know there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. We ought to know Jesus is coming again. We ought to know that the, what the Bible teaches is true in all that it treats. We ought to know that salvation is by grace through faith. It's not something we can earn, not something we can buy. It's something God wants to freely give to us as a gift of grace that we can, we can tap into by putting our trust in the Lord Jesus. Those are some basics, but there's people walking around that don't have that basic truth today. Uh, that, that, thank God there's confidence that we can have of, of having some things that we can count on. It's great to have some things that are definite, some things that are absolute, some things that are unchanging, Aren't you glad for that this morning? Some things that are definite that aren't going to change. There's so much in our life that can change so, so quickly. I'm glad there are some things that won't change. We can be sure of. And here this morning in Romans 8, 28 is one. And we get here to the content and the strength we can have in in the content of, of what it says here. We know that all things work together for good. To those who love God to those who were the called according to his purpose do you know that today are you convinced of that today do you hang on to that today I hope so and when when the wheels come off your life tomorrow I hope you still hang on to that great great truth all things work together for good now there are are some early manuscripts that if you read them in the Greek text it says that God causes all things to work together for good In fact, if you've got the New International Version uh, of the Bible you're carrying around or the New American Standard Version, the translation in English in both of those states that fact that God causes all things to work together for good. Actually, that's, that's pretty good. That may well be the original reading that was there, that God causes all things to work together. And even if it wasn't the original reading, that's the fact. In fact, all things can only work together for good if there's somebody behind everything who's orchestrating that, who is causing all things to work together for good. There's got to be somebody in control, and it's got to be God. It's got to be a good God. It's got to be a loving God, and and He is. He's working all things together for good. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 tells us that God works all things after the counsel of his own will you know what that means God does whatever he wants God's in control of everything God's in control of everything that comes into your life or my life there's absolutely nothing that comes into our lives that God is not in control of even hurricanes are under the control of almighty God you say "Well, why does he allow them well, they came because of the curse, because we live in a fallen world. They're, they're, they're part of what we deal with in this world. They're part of the groaning that we have to face and deal with and things like that. But, God, but they don't mean God's not in control. God is in control. God's in absolute control. In Psalm 119, verse 91, it says, Everything is God's servant. You know, Everything serves God. You and I sometimes don't serve the Lord like we should, but, but everything in this world serves god all the natural forces serve god all the natural laws they serve god god's in control of it all god causes all things to work together for good to those that love him and and thank god everything is moving towards a purpose verse closes out talking about god's purpose everything's moving towards a purpose things are, are are not just reality and life are not meaningless well, we're not just uh, victims of blind fate. We're not just recipients of karma. But there is a loving, personal God who revealed himself in the God-man, Jesus Christ, who's in control of everything. And I, I, we can hang on to that this morning. No matter what's going on in our lives, God is in absolute control. And, and, and as he's in absolute control, he's moving everything towards a purpose. And he is moving... Everything towards God's purpose. God has a purpose. God has a great purpose. And everything's moving in that direction, and his purpose will be realized. And all things means here all things. Now, all righteous things and all good things and all pleasant things and all things we're comfortable with, they're working together for for good. All kind of righteousness, his wisdom, his faithfulness, his word. Holy angels, other believers, all these things in, in our lives are, are working in our lives for good. we got other believers that are an encouragement to us. we got holy angels that God uses to minister to us. we got the Word of God. All those things God uses in your life and my life for good to move us towards His ultimate purpose in our life. We don't have too much trouble with that. Here's where we have the problem. All things, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His. That's even evil things. Not all things are good, pleasant, or right. God uses all things, works all things together. God never condones evil or is responsible for it, but God does use evil things and even evil acts. One of the most helpful passages of Scripture that, that I find is in the book of Genesis where we read the story of Joseph and how he was sold into slavery by his brothers. And in Genesis chapter 50, we read after, the, after Jacob had died, the brothers were afraid it was going to be payback time. And they, they wondered what Joseph was going to do to them. And, and instead, Joseph shows love and consideration to them. And he says... The things you intended for evil, the things you did to me, you intended for evil, but God intended them for good. You mean God was even in control when these brothers sold Joseph into slavery? That's exactly what we mean. That's exactly what Joseph recognized. That's what kept him going when he was in prison. That's what kept him going when he was being lied about by Potiphar's wife. He knows there's a sovereign God who's in control. He says, God intended all this for good. God can take evil things and work them together for good. You know, it's incredible how God can do that. God's not responsible for evil, but God can use evil. You know, we even see this in the natural realm. You take two poisons, sodium and chlorine, and if you take either one of those today, ingest those, they'll, they'll make you sick and maybe kill you. How, if, I, if I could combine those, would you be willing to then eat it, ingest it? If I could take sodium and chlorine and put it together, two poisons, how many would you be willing to ingest that? What are we talking about, folks? Salt! Salt! Isn't that amazing? God can take two poisons, either one of those would kill you, you put them together, and what do you have? Salt. How many of you are thankful for salt? Man, what would corn on the cob be without salt? What would watermelon be without salt? What would, I know, some of you don't eat watermelon with salt, but that's the best way to eat it. How about tomatoes without salt? Man, we've got to have salt. God works these two poisons together, and he gives us salt. He takes some poison things in our lives, and he works them together. See, not everything's good. God never says everything's good. The crucifixion of Jesus wasn't good. That was horrible. That's the worst crime that's ever been committed on the face of this planet. But did God work the crucifixion out for for, for good in the case of Jesus? Hey, man, we'd be on our way to hell if it wasn't for the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's part of the plan of redemption. That, that's part of how our sins were, were paid for. I love that verse, and it's well with my soul. The, the thought that oh, my sins not in part, but the whole were nailed to the cross. I bear them no more. What, what a great reason to praise the Lord, oh, my soul, huh? Every one of our sins nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ, and he died for them. That, that was a horrible thing. That beautiful, terrible, wonderful cross that Jesus died on. But but God works it together for our good. Well, what we Thomas Watson says that a, a sickbed often teaches more than a sermon. Some of the poisons that have come into your life, some of the difficulties that have come into your life have have really been a blessing. That been turned out that way and turned out for good. We we find there's the evil of temptation. Um we feel tempted it drives us to our knees for prayer most of us don't think of temptation as having any good effect but if it drives us to depend on god that's a good thing sin sins of other people against you like joseph's brothers works together for good sins in our life we're responsible for them there's no excuse when we sin but let's face it we do and i'll tell you there's one thing that happens with our sin it keeps us humble it keeps us confessing. It keeps us praying, doesn't it? we got to keep claiming First John 1, 9, don't we? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God works everything together. You see, man's idea today a lot of times is you have God over here, and all the good things come from God, and he's responsible for all the good things come into your life. And Satan, he's over here. And he can do things in our life that, that bring, he bring all kind of bad stuff into our life. And, and poor God, who loves us, he can't do anything to stop that. God would shield us from all those bad things. Is that true? Man, that's not true. Read the book of Job. If you don't think God allows bad things to happen to good people to work together for good. Satan has to get permission from God before he does anything, even in our lives. He can't go any further than what God allows him to go, just like he controlled what he was able to do in Job's life. Now, he let him go plenty far. Can you imagine having 10 of your children die at the same time in a tornado? That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? Job experienced that. But he continued to trust the Lord even in the face of that, and that's what God wants us to do. Well, we find that the passage that was read for us earlier in the service from Isaiah 45 by Pastor Mark is in a context where uh, it's a great passage of Scripture. You see, God is speaking in that, cha- in that chapter to a man by the name of Cyrus who was to become a Persian king who would allow Israel to go back to their homeland after the, the, they were carried out by the Babylonians. And we find that there in Isaiah chapter 45, it's 200 years before Cyrus was ever born. And God's talking to him, and God's calling him by name, and God is, is saying to him, you are, you're my servant. I'm going to use you. I'm going I'm to bring thrones down through your hands. I'll open doors to cities for you. I'll use you for all those things. And then he goes on, and, and 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 talking to Cyrus, he's emphasizing the fact that God is the only God. You see, the Persians believed in, in several gods. One, uh, what they believed in, one god, Achiman, who was supposed to be the god of evil things, and then there was Horamazda, who was the god of good things, and and the god of good. One was the god of light, and one was the god of darkness, one was the god of good, and one was the god of calamity. You know what God says in Isaiah forty-five? Remember that. God says, I create the light and I form the darkness I send the good things into your life and I send calamity man God's going to let calamity come into my life yeah he will he will anybody got any calamity coming into your life anytime along the way we all have haven't we but here's the good news God works it together for what for good he works it all together for good. He's in absolute control. He takes righteous things. He takes evil things. And he can even make the wrath of God to praise him. There's also strength here this morning in this verse in considering. Consideration of knowing who we are. This verse gets abused sometime. Uh, this, this verse is true for those who love God promise doesn't apply to all men but only to those who love God sometimes people misuse it they say uh, well everything works together for good is that true for everybody all the time? no it's not there's a qualifier here all things work together for good to those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose and uh, this morning do you love God you love God then this this verse applies to you you can claim it you can hang on to it and uh, we find that that verse is talking about the about Christians uh, called by God by the Holy Spirit of God brought into a relationship with the with the Lord Jesus Christ it's only after one's received Christ that he can possibly love God and we find that if you're a Christian this morning you love God and, and here's the other sad side of that coin if you don't love God, you're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, you love God. And this verse is yours. You can hang on to it. You can claim it. What a great thing. I hope you love God this morning. I hope you know love Jesus. By the way, if we love God, you know where it all started? What's First John tell us? We love him because he first loved us. And he worked in our life. And he enables us to love him. He draws us to himself, and I think that's a great description for persons a Christian, people that love God. You a God lover? I hope so. People are, are all kind of lovers in this world today, aren't they? You've got sports lovers. You've got shopping lovers. You've got dog lovers. You've got cat lovers. You've got people wear T-shirts to talk about you know, all the things they love. Well, you know what we ought to be as Christians? God lovers. God lovers it's sad you read in, in some of the last days prophecies it says in the last days uh, men will live love pleasure more than they love God Men, will, people will love money more than they love God people will love themselves more than they love God but but as Christians we love God and if we love God you know what's true all things work together for good is everything good no way but God takes bad things and works them around towards good in our lives. And we find that he's called us to himself. We'll talk a little bit more about that next week, this, what's involved there. But it also says here, the, this verse is for those who are the called according to his purpose. Well, we find the calling is through the, the Holy Spirit of God. And God's purpose is given to us in verse 29. Where it says that uh, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. We'll get into that verse next week. But here the main thing is it tells us what the purpose is. What's God's purpose for you and me? He wants to make us like Jesus. That's what he's doing in our lives right here, right now. Through everything that comes into our life, he's trying to make us more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't want, God's not necessarily working to make you comfortable. We like to be comfortable, don't we? God's not necessarily working to make you healthy. We like to be healthy, sometimes good health, when we lose it, God really can get our attention. God's not looking to make us wealthy or popular, no matter what the health and wealth gospel preachers are claiming. That's not what we find in the Word of God. God's purpose is to make us like his son. And the fact of the matter is, sometimes we need the fellowship of Jesus' sufferings to become more like him. The Apostle Paul knew that. He said, I want to know him. I want to know him. I want to know the power of his resurrection. But he also said, I need to know the fellowship of his sufferings. And in those sufferings, the good news is, all is working together for good for the believer. And isn't that a wonderful thing to know? What about that that heavy thing you're dealing with right now? I asked you to think about it at the beginning. Here's the promise. Somehow God will work it together for good. I don't know how, but God will work it together and somehow bring good out of it for his honor, his glory, and somehow he'll make you more like the Lord Jesus through whatever it is you're facing right now. May be called upon to face tomorrow. The good news is we can know. We know. We know. Do you know? We know all things work together for good to those that love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Father, we thank you today for the certainty, the certainty of this truth we've been considering this morning. A certainty that whose depths we have not even come close to plumbing. Uh, Lord, we, we, we thank you that we've got something we can hang on to when we're totally confused and, and frustrated with things that are going on in our life. I pray for those dear folks down in, in, in the Houston and in, in Galveston and Corpus Christi and places down there that are facing the wrath of that, that storm. And God, I pray that they, they would look to you I pray for Christians that know you, that they lean upon you. I pray for those that, that may not know Christ, that somehow they'd be, be, be driven to the realization that everything in this world is temporary. And the only thing that's eternal are the souls of men and a relationship that we can have with you through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for the dear folks here and the, the things they thought about when we began this message, the, the heaviest things upon their heart today. God, help them to deal with them. Help them to have the strength they need by hanging on to this great truth that we know all things work together for good to those that love God. And Father, I pray if there's anybody with us this morning that doesn't know Jesus as Savior, they don't love you, Lord. They love themselves right now. They don't really love you. Bring them to the place, Lord, where they'd surrender their life to the Lord Jesus. They'd repent of their sin, take Christ to be their Savior, and become one who loves you, one who's a part of the call and be able to claim this great promise from your word. Help us, Lord, in these areas, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.